Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Joined by Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch, uh, listen, slightly old school crew. Our main man, Adrian Hernandez, got uh, pulled uh, away on work assignments. So it's just the three amigos here, which means only one thing. It's NBA talk. And by the way, we're not sometimes when we talk about the association, we're, we're kind of like pulling, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to talk about. There's no need for that. Team USA training camp is underway here in Las Vegas. Again, this is not the team you're going to be seeing in the, the Olympics. However, this is a good collection of young players, and we'll go over the uh, list shortly. But again, the player that I'm most intrigued by and most of Southern California is intrigued by is Austin Reeves. Uh, I, I guess I'll start there. Brandon, were you surprised when you saw his name on the list? And what do you think he can get from this experience of not only a training camp, uh, you know, these 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 games, and then the uh, tournament? And, and again, Playing under some amazing coaches, no disrespect to Darvin Ham, but Steve Kerr, um, uh, let's see who's on this list. Uh, Tyron Lue's an assistant coach. Um, Eric Spolster's an assistant coach. An amazing co- coaching staff here. Yeah, no, I was not surprised considering Reeves is now getting into that star kind of threshold. He's a top 50 player. I think that's undeniable right now and perhaps even more. I think just the way he impacts the game offensively is at another level. I think playing around guys that are kind of in that same conversation that are kind of on the brink of becoming like stars to superstars, like a lot of players like that are on that team, like not the super, super, super high-end guys that are in the NBA, but the younger guys that are kind of pushing the envelope forward. I think that's going to be important for him. I think he's going to continue to show why he's getting better every single year, why he instrumental to the Lakers success. And yeah, I, I'm excited to see him play. I'm excited to see a lot of the players play. I think this is a very solid team and they're going to smack everybody, whoever they play, even, you know, with them being not even, I mean, they, how many, how many top 20 players do I have on that roster? It doesn't I don't matter. Think they they're have still, any. Yeah. Exactly. They're still going to smack everybody they play because the U S is just dominant in basketball. Yeah. For me, the interesting thing is who is going to be the proverbial man on this team. It seems like just by looking at it, I don't know who you guys think I would go with Anthony Edwards. But what a what a young group this is going to be. It's going to be a different group. You have Paolo Boncaro, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brunson, who I feel like he could have the ball in uh, at the end of games in his hands. Brandon Ingram, Tyrese Halliburton, and then Anthony Edwards. Who is the man in that group? I I think it's it's Edwards, right? Who do you it's Edwards? Think? Yeah, Edwards yeah. is the one guy I would say is on that brink of like top twenty. You know. So I think I think that's for sure the the dude. You know, the, all these, the, yeah. Rook, well, let me just add the World Cup competition, which is what they're playing for uh, this summer. When I look back at the turning point for KD and Russell Westbrook during their time when they were teammates with the Thunder, it was that World Cup that they compete, competed again. Again, very similarly, you know, it was not the Olympic team. 
The difference there, however, that team had some vets. That team had Chauncey Billups. That team had Lamar uh, Odom. Um, uh, the one critique I would say of this roster, I'd love to see a couple of like older guys on this team, not who are going to play a ton perhaps, but who can kind of be uh, player coaches, I guess. I agree. I yeah. think that's jo- Josh Hart and Bobby Portis, right? That's true. And maybe yeah. a little bit of Jalen Brunson, but those guys are not really like the the vets that we're accustomed to on a Team USA. Um, I feel like there's going to be some growing pains. I remember what was it last year or two years ago when they lost those exhibition games, and um, I was definitely thinking that it was going to carry over into the real games. But you guys remember that they they dropped. Yeah. I think it was. Two in a row at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It was one of those things where crazy experience, but I'll have a Rosh talk. I've been talking too much about our boy Austin Reeves. (laughs) I want to hear a Rosh's thought. I think this is the moment when you're going up against the international competition, and there's something to be said about putting on that Team USA uh, jersey. Uh, again, so they don't have the veteran players on this team. Again, championship uh, guys who, who've won. I think even, for example, again, he, he wouldn't have done it maybe, but like just having like a Draymond Green there, just as a guy who's won a championships, played in big games, being that that would be great. That being said, when you look at the coaches that they have, uh, head coach Steve Kerr, what he's done, and not only as a player, but as a coach, Bolstra, perhaps arguably the best uh, coach uh, currently in the league, Tyron Liu, what he's done as a player, what he's done as a coach, and Mark Few with Gonzaga, what he's done. Um, I, I just think that these guys are going to learn a ton. And the progression of Ben Austin Reeves, again, the big contract that he got, what an amazing summer from him, beginning with the postseason he had, going into the a big contract he signed, now being with Team USA, he's going to be expected to do a lot more. He's no longer the, the undrafted player, and we'll see what, what, what we can get. There's a lot of expectation for him, and I really do believe with, with what how big this summer has been for him, going back to the postseason, contract in Team USA this this summer, it's going to be huge for him. And, and again, when you look at the players that they've kept and brought in, sometimes we don't look at progression. Again, when, when we looked up this team th- this past year, no one talked about Reeves because he was on the team and we'll see what he can do. His development and progression will be huge to this team being a contender this season. And speaking of that, um, there was clips this past weekend of Phil Handy, I believe it was in Greece, with uh, Jared yeah. Vanderbilt and Rui Hachimura, and we talk about progression. Yeah. Can you imagine what Jared Vanderbilt's going to be with an expanded offensive game? Can you imagine Rui Hachimura in year two of Darvin Ham's offensive yeah. system? I I have one gripe, Brandon, you're going to go, but I, I have a gripe that I really want to pick with the NBA media. Uh, go ahead, Brandon, and then yeah. Before you do that, because that's an that's an important conversation. I wanted to say I think the guy that might prove the most instrumental uh, in probably the most underrated addition is Hodge because of his defense and his three point shooting. I really do expect him to be a role a role player in year one for the Lakers. I mean, the guy's a KCP clone. 
It's exactly what they need. Another guy who can defend and stay on the court and shoot threes alongside Reeves and LeBron, right, Armand? Yeah, it's, um, you know, the we always talk about the Miami Heat and their culture of finding these guys, but the Lakers are right there with them recently in doing that. Arash, am I allowed to say my gripe now? Is that okay? Let's do it. Let's, let's gripe away. So these um, off-season power rankings, obviously they're a small sample size. They're usually only one person's opinion. I understand all that. But after what we just witnessed in the playoffs and leading up to the playoffs and the run that the Lakers were on, something like ESPN, right? ESPN released their offseason power rankings two days ago, and the Lakers were number seven. They were behind the Miami Heat, who, by the way, they don't have Damian Lillard right now. As it stands right now, they don't have Damian Lillard, and they lost two starters, and they're behind the Philadelphia 76ers and all the turmoil that they have, not to mention the Phoenix Suns, the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, and obviously the Denver Nuggets. To me, the Lakers are a top-five team, and they are a tier-one contender. Last thing I'll say is, on other power rankings, they have it listed by tiers. The Lakers are a tier one team and I've seen them listed in tier two a lot this offseason. And I just, I don't understand it. I I don't get that. Yeah. That makes no sense to me. And here's what I'll say about that. Again, you're you're talking about a team that played in the conference finals. So they were one of the top four teams this past year. I thought they were the second best team. They lost to the best team. There was no doubt going into the postseason. Denver was the best team. Nikola Nikola Jokic was the best player. So they lost to the best team and the best player. If they found a way to get past Denver, they were going to win the whole thing. They were, in my view, better than the Heat, better than the Celtics. So when you have, in my view, which which was the second best team in the postseason, top four, certainly, if you're doing your power rankings and you don't have them in your top four or top five or as a tier one team, you're crazy. To my previous point of sometimes we don't really factor in things that are not uh, concrete. Like the thing that people could keep forgetting is that this team was put together at the trade deadline. This was not a playoff team. This was a team that would not have finished in the top 10 in the Western Conference prior to the trade deadline. However, post trade deadline, when you look at the team that they put together, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, different roles for guys. They really gelled and came to together very quickly. And the one thing that, that I said about this team going into the postseason was, like, if they get knocked out by the number two-seeded Grizzlies, or if they get knocked out by the defending champion Golden State Warriors, do not break this team up. It is incredible what this team did in a short amount of time. And if you keep this team together and give them a full offseason, a full training camp, a full preseason, and begin the season this way, this team is going to be one of the best teams in the league. And and the way that it turned out was that they, they really – uh, did that during the postseason. They, they continue to grow, continue to develop. And the frustrating thing is I, I think a lot of people are f- focusing on the fact that they got swept by Denver. As you guys know, they came back from 20 points down and very nearly won game one. The biggest problem that they had in games two, three, and four, and there's no excuse for this, they had the lead in the fourth quarter of all those games. 
but they could not close out. Now, again, there's no excuse for that. You've got to figure out a way to close out. But it wasn't one of those dominant sweeps where you're saying that this team is light years ahead of the Lakers. So for the Lakers to not only bring back that core group, improve on that core group, it is crazy to me that you would not have them as a tier one team. I also think it's important to note, like for me, I'm always adamant about having the four final teams as the four first power yeah. rankings. I mean, unless, unless, I mean, it's not like the Heat had anybody leave instrumental besides Cape Davis, who we know is going to forget how to shoot on the Lakers. Like most uh, Lakers end up doing when they come there, right? But he's a good defender and they might get Damian Lillard, okay? It has to be whatever order you want to put it in. I would say Denver, Lakers, Heat, Celtics. I think that has to be the order right now, right? Because those are, in my opinion, if you evaluate the four teams that were remaining, the four best teams. Milwaukee doesn't deserve to be ranked in the top four because they lost in round one. They did. And you could say, oh, Giannis wasn't healthy, whatever, for a couple games. Cool. The game, one of the games they didn't have him was the only game they won in that series. So I'm just saying, like, there's there's levels to it. Yes, the Suns improved. Yes, the 76ers have Embiid. But, like, let's be real here. The Lakers are a top-four team in basketball until they're not. Yeah. Straight up. I will just have a little slight pushback because I do think Phoenix, until Miami actually gets Damian, or if they get him, I would have Phoenix instead of them. But in theory, Brandon, I agree that the top four, the final four, should be your your top four teams going into a new season. Do you guys think, let's say hypothetically, the playoffs were in two weeks? Who would you take in a best of seven? Obviously, we haven't seen anything, but between the Lakers and the Suns, do you guys feel confident about the Lakers against that new Phoenix team? Yes. I'll, I'll go first. With, with, with the Suns, it's very interesting. You know, during the course of the season, why I don't believe that they will have a high seed is they have zero depth, or they don't have a ton of depth. They, they actually did a better job than you would have thought with putting that team together. Um, that being said, come playoff time, that rotation is extremely small, so they do have the potential of being a good playoff team. And by the way, the Suns are another one of those teams that they got put together when I got the trade deadline. So I do want to see how Devin Booker and KD play together. You know, now you bring in Bradley Beal, DeAndre, is he, you know, happy? I mean, they always talk about, you know, him being moved. Um, it's a top-heavy team, but historically speaking, come playoff time, certainly by the conference finals, certainly by the finals, the rotation is so, uh, you, you bring in maybe two, at most three guys off the bench. So the Suns can't do that. Yeah, and look, I did like the moves. I don't know how they got some of those guys with their limited amount of resources financially, but they got better. I still am taking the Lakers any day. I think yeah. they have better depth. I think like top to bottom, they're a better team. And uh, as long as they can play defense, I mean, Bradley Beal's not the guy people think he is anymore. He's not. He's just not. He's a 20-point-per-game scorer. He's a little bit inefficient now. He's not what he used to be. And I don't think that's going to change. I think we're going to see more of the leaning on Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, who were excellent at last postseason. We're going to see that again when it comes to the postseason. I think it's obviously an upgrade having Beal over Paul. 
So they'll be a tad better and their bench is going to be better. And I think Aiden will be better because Vogel's great at teaching drop coverage and that's what Aiden excels in. So, I mean, like, yeah, it's going to be a tough series, but I would still take the Lakers. I mean, I'd take the Lakers over Denver right now. I think the loss of Bruce Brown's crazy. Yeah, yeah. so here's the thing. I, I can't take them over Denver because of their top two guys, but what I keep going back to is how close those games were. And at the end of the day, you know, credit to a team that can come back and win those games in the fourth quarter. But I think they're very close. So if you lose Bruce Brown and they lost a couple of other guys too, I'm blanking on like Jeff Green. And so, you know, if, if the Lakers slightly improved and if the Denver Nuggets took a slight step back, is that enough? Because again, I think a lot of people get blinded by the sweep and, and I get it. If you sweep a team, that says something. That being said, it wasn't a normal sweep. It wasn't like, oh, my God, they won every game by 20 points. There was a reason that a lot of people felt following game one that the Lakers had figured something out. They did in the sense that they were down by 20 points again. They did in the sense that they had the lead in the fourth quarter in each and every game. It just wasn't enough, though. All of this, though, is a moot point if Anthony Davis is one game amazing, one game not great. Because that was the story of the postseason, and then it ended with him getting outplayed by a good amount by Nikola Jokic. If Davis does that again, I don't really care about the margins and the other guys. If he can't at least be close to Jokic's level in a series... I feel like Denver will still find a way to eke out another series win. What I'm curious about from you guys is besides the three teams in the West that we've named, is there anybody else that kind of gets your attention? Because I'll say really quickly, I think Golden State got worse this offseason. I, I don't like what they've done. Um, is there anybody that you would put in that same tier? I think the Warriors have to be in that conversation, but I am fascinated by how Chris Paul is going to fit into this team. I don't think he's going to fit in well. I think the thing about Chris Paul and having covered him with the Clippers, he will at some point rub that locker room the wrong way. Now, here's the thing. He rubbed. Blake, he already has a rush. Well, well, here's the thing. He rubbed Blake and DeAndre the wrong way. And the feeling was, listen, we get, we haven't won. You haven't won either. So like shut the bleep up. He's walking into a locker room that's won multiple championships. He's walking into the locker room with Draymond and Steph and Clay that were the core group of one of the greatest teams of all time. What the hell is is Chris Paul going to do? Again, Chris Paul has never walked into a locker room where he's not the guy, where he's not the captain, where he's not, hey, listen, follow me and I'll lead you. And now he's in a situation where Draymond Green's going to step to him I promise you at some point there will be heat, if there's not already, there will be tension because Chris Paul, at this point in his life and his career, cannot change who he is. And I would love to see Chris Paul try to tell Draymond Green what to do in a big spot because Draymond Green's going to cut deep with something about Chris Paul having never played in an NBA Finals before. Uh, so are we are we saying which other team is going to contend with like the Lakers? Nuggets? Is that the conversation? Who's going to be who, who's going to be the fourth team? Who's going to be the fourth team? I think it I could think, be the Warriors, but who? Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a few. I think I think it's perhaps a little too premature to put OKC that high, though I think they'll make the playoffs for sure. Uh, Memphis is a team I would probably look at, even without... I mean, they're going to get Jaw at some point, and their defense is excellent, right? So, I mean... Jaron, Marcus Smart. I mean, defensively, that team is so is going to be so fun to watch. So I just think Memphis is kind of getting disrespected right now, and rightfully so. They got smoked by the Lakers, and Jaw was, you know, almost sent to prison. So, <laughs> <laughs> what about Skinny Luca? Yeah, that's another team. That's another team. They got bigs now, so that's important. They got interior defense. You got Luca. You got Kyrie. I'm still very fascinated how how that again. A lot of moves were made at the trade deadline, and we didn't see what these teams could be. So the Suns will be improved, I think. The Lakers, despite getting to the Western Conference Finals, I think that they will continue to improve. And the Mavericks, with Luka and Kyrie, I don't think they're not not going to be in at least the play-in tournament. I think that that is a playoff team. Okay, let's leave it there when we come back. A lot to get into still, not only with the NBA, but with Shohei Otani. And the Angels, what's going to happen with them? So we'll talk about all that in a moment when we come back right here. On the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment, or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. We would normally go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now, uh, but we will not. Brandon will be taking the role of the Circus Sports Guest because I have to talk to him about Shohei Otani. The Angels made it official in terms of saying, listen, Shohei is going to stay here for the rest of the year. And they did a very unique thing following that. They not only said Shohei is going to stay here, they were not sellers, Brandon. They were buyers, and they. Um, you wrote a great piece in the Sporting Tribune talking about their series against the Blue Jays, and it, this is really sort of kind of uh, how their season has gone, where they go all in and they lose two or three. Uh, you wrote about them salvaging one win against the Blue Jays, but Brandon, you, you, if, if you can't feel good about this team's postseason chances right now. Yeah, no, especially considering they have a series, uh, you know, that begun yesterday in Atlanta. Now it's Tuesday. It's a three-game series. So, look, it is the best team in baseball they're playing. Anybody that says, oh, they're supposed to win two out of three just doesn't understand. If they wouldn't win, it's it's a win, right? Like, so for me, that's what I'm looking for in that series. And this weekend, they play the Mariners, who they've been really good against. They need to take three out of four against the Mariners. They play them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a huge series. Remember, the Mariners are only a half game back of the Angels for third in the West, AOS. But I think the avenue a lot of fans are, are thinking is win the division. Um, and perhaps the Astros do it, but the Rangers are losing. I know they traded for a lot. 
they're effectively six games back or five games back of the Blue Jays. There's four. They're four, but the Blue Jays just beat them twice in a series, so they own the yeah. tiebreaker. And the Astros own the tiebreaker over the Angels. But the Angels own the tiebreaker over the Rangers and play them again. So it's one of those things like if they can outpace Houston and then win the division and have Houston get the wild card, that's a perfect scenario because they're five games back only of the AL West title um and four of the wild card but effectively five because again like i mentioned they lost to the blue jays and everybody's saying that this team can't compete yeah taylor ward just got he's out for the year he's got hit terrible injury glad he's not dead man it's a very scary injury um and then mike trout's gonna be back in a month brandon drury one of their best hitters back this week um logan ohapi their generational talent at catcher is going to be back soon as well and they just traded for cj crone and randall grichuk and lucas giolito and realdo lopez they're going all in iraq yeah. you know they're not in the best position right now but if you look at their september schedule it's relatively easy they have six games against oakland three against detroit that's like should be nine free wins for them right there although you never know but uh, look, they're, they're a team that is going to get healthy at the right time. And I think we see the, uh, we can look at the comparisons between the Lakers, um, the Phillies last year, and this Angels team. As long as they stay in the race until September and there are a few games back, I think they, they, they could make it. But right now it's looking grim considering they're going up against the big dog Braves right now. You know, if you're Shohei Otani, you know, this upcoming deal, you know, perhaps could be a 10-year deal. Everyone's talking about $600 million, which we've never heard of before. If I'm Shohei, obviously, this isn't only about this season and the next season. So, if you're Shohei... How do you view this? I mean, you're 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 with a franchise that that's looking to go all in, that wants to win. Have they done enough? And, and so I guess we could play it two ways. You know, let's just say they just missed out on the playoffs, or let's just say they win the division or make the playoffs but lose in the first round. I mean, with your Shohei, I think so much is being made about this season, and I've made that mistake on the show because again. If you're signing a 10-year deal with a team, it's not just about one year. If you're going to hitch your wagon to a team for, for the next 10 years and you're showing, hey, what would you do? Yeah, I'd re-sign with the Angels. It's an unpopular opinion, but I think they're really close to contention. They just blew up the farm system to make Otani happy. So it's like they're going to pay to win. Uh, Artie Moreno has really changed his mindset. He entered the luxury tax for the first time in his owner ownership um, and – they're, they're trying to win. All these trades, they traded all their prospects for the moves they made prior to today's deadline. And look, if they make the playoffs, he's re-signing with the Angels for sure. I, I 100% think he'll re-sign with them because he wants to win in, in, for the, on the Angels. He signed with them for a reason. People don't get that other, yeah, cursed Angels, whatever. At the very minimum, Marat, the Angels, at least one of only six teams in the MLB that are willing to just diminish their farm system and go all in for one player they've shown loyalty to otani and yes it hasn't worked out they've had a lot of injuries if they're able to stay healthy and make the playoffs he resigns if they barely miss i think it's a tougher conversation because i really do think shohei wants to finish his career and be an angel his whole career but if they don't make the playoffs it's, it's tough because you got to think about the future and it's like if i'm otani i want to win but I also want to be that guy that brings greatness back to a franchise. I don't want to be that guy that dips and goes to a better team. You know what I mean? 
Uh, so again, I think it's very, very, very tantalizing for him to resign with the Angels, and I, they have a lot of work to do. But I think they can do it. It's looking more and more likely, Arash. Yep. Brandon, what about the National League? It looks like the Braves are just in a different weight class than everybody else, but we know October, anything can happen. The Dodgers, as it currently stands, have the second best record in the National League. How do you see the National League kind of playing out here? Yeah, I look, I think the Braves are unreal. I think the team that's a sleeper is the Cincinnati Reds. They just took two out of three against the Dodgers. They really don't have pitching yet. They should get some by today, uh, hopefully. Um, and even if they don't, they have one of the best lineups in the league. I think the big red machine is starting to come back. They've got loads of minor leaguers. They have the prospects to trade for guys in the offseason, even if they don't do it today and pull the trigger on someone big. Um, in retrospect, they should have kept Luis Castillo instead of trading him for Noel V and Arroyo because they need that elite pitcher. They don't have it anymore, and they're in contention. Ellie De La Cruz is electric. I think that's the team. Them and the Phillies are the team that's going to rival the Braves and the Dodgers. I think it's Dodgers, Phillies, Reds that are really the rivals to the Braves. Arizona's lost too much recently. I don't see them going anywhere. The Giants are losing every single game. It seems like they're going to be out of it. I think there's a possibility the Padres get back in it. I know Arash is smiling because we have some coverage of the Padres. And they have hey, the talent. They're only, right. they're only a few games back. Them or the Cubs could really do it. Right. I think the Cubs ro roster, Armand, no offense, isn't there yet. I think they've overachieved, if that's possible. Even though John Wooden always said you can never overachieve because it's inside Brandon, of you. But. Brandon, they got, they got the Cody Bellinger that I wanted and that I loved in the 2020 postseason. What the heck happened there? Superstar. <laughs> I, I just think a cha change, change of scenery. Yeah. I think Boris really had a conversation with him this offseason saying, look, you were poised to get that $300 million contract. You didn't get it. Let's put in some extra work yeah. um, and change the scenery. I mean, he's been excellent this year. Brandon, how much of that is also, and I don't know the answer to this, um, you know, they changed the rules this offseason where you can't shift anymore. And a power hitter, especially a lefty that likes to pull the ball like that, how much of his increase in offense is due to the rules changing where you can't shift? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, I think that, look, we, we expected it to affect Bryce Harper a little bit more too and help him, but it hasn't. I think he's just hurt. But with a guy like Bellinger, um, yeah, that's an excellent example. He's not like Shohei Otani. He's never going to hit opposite field home runs, like rarely ever. Like we look at Shohei Otani, he's just a marvelous hitter. He'll hit home runs, he'll flick his wrist opposite field. That's a left-hander. But most lefties, like Christian Yelich, is now having a bounce back year because of the absence of the shift. Cody Bellinger, guys that were in the MVP conversation a few years ago. This is not a coincidence. Darmon, you have a great point here. Uh, the Dodgers weren't willing to meet that $17 million, uh, price. And right at the time, it was the right move to let him walk. Um, and so I don't think they should be punishing themselves because I think this version of Cody is only going to be unleashed going to a new team, right? So I'm glad the Cubs are keeping him going all in. And he's going to get a bag this offseason, Armand. I think the Yankees are going to go all in. I think the Yankees are going to get him. By the way, we're, we're going to have Fernando Ramirez come on the show at the, the end of the week. He will be covering uh, the Padres-Dodgers series at Petco Park. Like, I would call it a do-or-die series for the Padres, Brandon, but I, I, I think that they're already dead. I mean, what, what is the significance of this Dodgers-Padres series? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's pretty significant to the Padres. Like I mentioned, Rosh, I don't think they're dead. They're three and a half back okay. in the wild card. Yeah, that's I true. I think the Gi they have multiple series left against the Giants, who are the team they're trying to catch. 
Um, and the Dodgers are, aren't playing great baseball right now. I mean, they lost two out of three to the Blue Jays. They lost two out of three to the Reds. They really need to play the Angels so they can get their momentum back because right after they played the Angels, their bullpen, bullpen turned into one of the best in baseball after being one of the worst. And now it's kind of reverted to the mean. They need some pitchers. They got Lance Lynn, but he's out of shape, and the pitch clock does not help out-of-shape pitchers now <laughs> because, you know, no, it's just a fact. Yeah, you have to... You have to speed up everything and, you know, I gotta catch up my breath. Hold on. Homers and baseball. Yeah, no, for sure. It's a thing. Like Alec Manoa is struggling because of that. A lot of it. If Bartolo was still playing. Bartolo, oh, Bartolo. God bless. Uh, God bless Bartolo. He was great. But by the way, Cy, Cy Young winner with the Angels early on that's, in his career. People forget. Right. People forget. Um, but what I will say here is, Arash, is Joe Kelly was an excellent get. I, I yeah. think, you know, giving up Nestrini hurts. But Kelly, we saw what he did a few nights ago. Um, for the Dodgers in that bases loaded situation, and they needed another high leverage reliever, and it, 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 he feels at home. That's why they got Kike too. Like Kike's just a team that. guy. They Wait, got him so for the clubhouse. I, I loved those moves in in our group chat, which includes Jake Dicker and Grant Mona. I think I was in the minority again. I'm a hopeless romantic. If you want a World Series with us, you're a part of the team forever. So when Kike came back and Joe Kelly came back, like I was pumped. Why was I in the minority, Brandon? I, I don't think well, the others because, liked it. Yeah, I think they did give up a little too much for Joe Kelly and Lance Lynn. I mean, perhaps if any team can revert Lance Lynn to his Cy Young self a few years ago, it's the Dodgers. But again, the pitch clock doesn't do him any favors. And the guy they traded, Nick Nestrini, who I watched at UCLA as a freshman, I didn't play with him, but I, I, I knew he was like a mutual friend. My friend Adrian in the Astros organization is really good friends with him. This guy's the truth. 94 to 98 mile per fastball, wipeout slider, some good off-speed pitches. But they have so many guys like that in the minors, Arash, that they were willing to do that to try and put together a team that can win this year. And perhaps they get a Lance, like Lance Lynn struggles the rest of the year. They're able to resign him cheap. Yeah. That could be another thing and work with him in the offseason. Maybe lose some weight, go on the bike, you know, like uh, it's good. It's, that certainly would help him. Yeah, let's uh, let's switch gears because a lot of the national media is talking about another trade deadline. I, I know today is the trade deadline for Major League Baseball. The James Harden saga continues to go on and on, and you know you're, you're hearing reports again that that Harden did what he did. He um, mopped it in, not to stay with Philadelphia, but to get traded, and the team he wants to go to is the Clippers. Um, we'll try to get Tyron Lue on uh, while he's in Las Vegas talking uh, about the team. Again, I, I don't think he'll be, be able to talk about James Harden. Um, what's the resolution here? I mean, it, it, do if you're the Clippers, do you try to give up a little bit more than you'd like to just to get this deal done? Who's in the power position here? It's a great question. I <laughs> Power position is... Man, I think I think the power position is James Harden because the more that he kind of acts disgruntled and we've seen him kind of do it publicly with skipping Joel Embiid's wedding. Um also by the way PJ <laughs> PJ Tucker was with him. Can I say Embiid's, real quick? He yeah. should have showed up in the fat suit. That would have oh been amazing. <laughs> that would have been the best joke and Joel Embiid's a funny guy. I think Joel would have laughed at it. If if James Harden would have showed up in that, wait, no. So what was that? Was he at a show or a concert where someone's passing out hamburgers and yeah, so takes five burgers? <laughs> have you heard about the Trill no. Burgers in Houston? No, tell so me it's this that. new this new uh, Bun B rapper. <laughs> 
uh, started a new uh, burger place in Houston, and okay. it's the rave of the city. Everybody's right. been going. I think Drake went like opening night or something. And then James Harden, the night of Joel Embiid's wedding, was seen <laughs> asking for four or five burgers instead That's of good. being at you know his his co-star's biggest day. Yeah. Um, I I thought that that was as telling as anything. I mean, I think we all do when you choose one thing over another. But you know, the interesting thing is that Philadelphia does not have to oblige to any of these demands by Harden. You're yeah. still under contract for a year. If you don't want to play or you don't show up, you'll get fined until you do. And similar to uh, the Damian Lillard situation, they're not really, you know, in a rush to make any kind of decision. If I'm the Clippers, though, Rosh, to answer your other question, if I'm the Clippers, I'm not budging. I'm I'm keeping my offers very low, very minimal, yeah. and letting the situation play out. Because I okay, also yeah. think... Yeah, yeah, because I also think I was just going to add like Terrence Mann, such a huge, a champion role player, like a Bruce Brown type. Yep. You don't give that up for a guy that doesn't fit on the court with Westbrook. Like Harden helps in the regular season. He's an excellent regular season player, but you need to keep a guy like Mann. I'm sorry. You give up Boston Jr. and picks like in Morris and a few other guys to make the contract. Not a mere coffee anymore, I guess. Oh, I know man. Grant was hoping that was Marcus, Marcus Morris instead of a mere coffee, right. but you know. You know what, Terrence Mann? No, Ross, do you see what happened to Amir Coffee? Wait, no. You gotta, you gotta give me the update. He, he got arrested on a on a gun charge. That's why I made that joke. Like ah, Grant would have hoped that was Marcus Morris, so that would have been play yeah. Him. You know, that would have been Grant's Christmas. I mean, yeah, the whole <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Morris. Um, <laughs> no, with Terrence Mann, I keep going back to that Game Six performance against the uh, Jazz, and when players step up in those situations. You know, in the playoffs, like, I mean, there's something there. So, no, yeah, I, I wouldn't trade Terrence Mann. Um, but it's very clear that James Harden wants to be on the Clippers. So we'll, we'll see at some point if that deal happens. Damian Lillard, by the way, was also in Las Vegas. He was at the Terrence Crawford um, Spence fight. Didn't talk about his future. Did walk the red carpet. Talked about the fight. Talked about you know, get, getting ready for the season. Another question of power position. Who's in the power position there? It does seem like the league is getting a little, you know, trying to say, hey, listen, we have no problem with you guys wanting to do a deal here, but enough of this, you know, where it's just the heat, uh, you know. Uh, what? How do you think this situation will play itself out? I love that, by the way. I loved Adam Silver doing that because when a player does that, it's it's common sense. It ruins the market for for the organization that they're currently a part of. If a yeah. player says, I only want to go here, well, now that team knows that they don't have to make a very competitive trade offer, and yeah. it, it really hurts. We talk about small market teams and wanting to help small market teams. A lot of the new collective bargaining stuff has been geared towards small market teams, the Supermax contracts in and of itself. So I like the fact that Adam Silver said that. And well, he didn't say it, but they released a memo. And I, I really think it's beneficial for the league. Who's in the power position? I think it's now it's the Portland Trailblazers because Dame and his agent can't do that in private anymore and kind of lean their way to, towards Miami. And I think yeah. as we get closer to training camp, 
we will see other teams actually make competitive offers. I wanted to add something on there. I do think the Clippers shouldn't budge. And, you know, I think the position is there. And I do like what Adam Silver in, installed um, in, in his position to not make this a one-dimensional thing, right? Because it happened too much. Ben Simmons, where does he want to go? James Harden, I want to go here. Like over the past couple of years, it's been so prevalent that it makes so much sense. But I don't think Dame is the guy to do it to. I think he deserves to go where he wants because he was loyal to an organization that was not loyal to him for 15 years, almost 10, 12 years, whatever you want to call it. And that is why I think that should have been directed at James Harden and not Damian Lillard. Uh-huh. This is the same situation. James Harden wants one destination. Lillard wants <laughs> one destination. But you come out and you're like, no Miami. Don't just say Miami. Well, but well, why wasn't there something said to James Harden? Yeah. That's my that was thinking. That was very strange, Brandon. Yeah. Why was James Harden's name not mentioned at all? I, <laughs> I didn't get that either. Must have something on Adam Silver. I don't know. Real quick before we close out, what is it about those hamburgers that are so good? I'm very intrigued. Why are these hamburgers so hot? I don't know the answer to that question, do you, Brandon? <laughs> Come on, Brandon. I don't. I, I honestly didn't know, know about him until the video, so... It's so interesting that, that, that sometimes what uh, players do, um, I'm very intrigued by the uh, hot wings at Magic City. Oh. It's a strip club. It's, a, it's an adult. It's a gentleman's club. However, you know, Lou Will having those uh, chicken wings named after him. I, I, I do want to try them at some point. And uh, these hamburgers. What is the name of it? They're, they're, they're not a sponsor. But Trill. But Trill. Trill Burgers, I believe. Trill Burgers that's, that's in Houston. Trill Burgers. So that's got to be a meme. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, James Harden grabbing four of those. Like it was, it was such a great preparing his fat suit. I was gonna say that he was, he's he's getting ready. <laughs> this is, you know, if 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 they're gonna push him, he's gonna put on that fat suit and he's gonna put on that warm up, and you're gonna see him walking the beach with the fat suit. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I do think I think we're all in agreement though. These players normally go where they want to go. So I do think at some point before the start of the season, Harden will be with the Clippers, Dane will be with the Heat. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.